Chapter Five of the Conquest of Canaan by Booth Tarkington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, Beaver Beach. The Canaan Daily Tocsin of the following morning ventured the assertion upon its front page that the scene at the Pike Mansion was one of unalloyed festivity, music, and mirth the fairy bower of airy figures wafting here and there to the throb of waltz strains a veritable temple of terpsichord shining forth with a myriad of lights which together with the generous profusion of floral decorations and the mingled delights afforded by mines orchestra of indianapolis and caterer jones of chicago was in all likelihood never heretofore surpassed in elegance in our city only one incident the tocsin remarked marred an otherwise perfect occasion and out of regard for the culprit's family connections which are prominent in our social world we withhold his name suffice it to say that through the vigilance of mr norbert flitcroft grandson of colonel a a flitcroft who proved himself a thorough lecoq the celebrated french detective the rascal was seized and recognized mr flitcroft having discovered him in hiding had a cordon of waiters drawn up around his hiding-place which was the charmingly decorated side piazza of the pike mansion and sent for judge pike who came upon the intruder by surprise he evaded the judge's indignant grasp but received a well-merited blow over the head from a poker which the judge had concealed about his person while pretending to approach the hiding-place casually attracted to the scene by the cries was mr flitcroft who standing behind judge pike accidentally received a blow from the same weapon all the guests of the evening sprang to view the scene only to behold the culprit leap through a crevice between the strips of canvas which enclosed the piazza he was seized by the colored coachman of the mansion sam warden and immediately pounced upon by the cordon of caterer jones dusky assistants from chicago who were in ambush outside unfortunately after a brief struggle he managed to trip warden and the other stumbling upon the prostrate body of the latter to make his escape in the darkness it is not believed by many that his intention was burglary though what his designs were can only be left to conjecture as he is far beyond the age when boys perform such action out of a sense of mischief he had evidently occupied his hiding-place some time and an idea of his coolness may be obtained from his having procured and eaten a full meal through an unknown source judge pike is justly incensed and swears that he will prosecute him on this and other charges as soon as he can be found much sympathy is felt for the culprit's family who feel his shame most keenly but who though sorrowing over the occurrence declare that they have put up with his derelictions long enough and will do nothing to step between him and the judge's righteous indignation the pipe mansion scene of festivity music and mirth not quite so unalloyed after all the stricken flitcroft keeping his room for a week under medical supervision had not been the only bower of the dance in canaan that evening another temple of terpsichord had shone forth with lights 
though in these there were not quite a myriad the festivities they illuminated obtained no mention in the paper nor did they who trod the measures in this second temple exhibit any sense of injury because of the tocsin's omission nay they were of that class shy without being bashful exclusive yet not proud which shuns publicity with a single-heartedness almost unique in our republic courting observation neither in the prosecution of their professions nor in the pursuit of happiness not quite a mile above the northernmost of the factories on the waterfront there projected into the river near the end of the crescent bend above the town a long pier relic of steamboat days rotting now and many years fallen from its maritime uses about midway of its length stood a huge crazy shed long ago utilized as a freight storeroom this had been patched and propped and a dangerous-looking veranda attached to it overhanging the water above the doorway was placed a sign whereon might be read the words beaver beach mike's place the shore end of the pier was so ruinous that passage was offered by a single row of planks which presented an appearance so temporary as well as insecure that one might have guessed their office to be something in the nature of a drawbridge from these a narrow path ran through a marsh left by the receding river to a country road of desolate appearance here there was a rough enclosure or corral with some tumble-down sheds which afforded shelter on the night of joseph louden's disgrace for a number of shaggy teams attached to those decrepit and musty vehicles known picturesquely and accurately as night-hawks the presence of such questionable shapes in the corral indicated that the dance was on at beaver beach mike's place as surely as the short line of cabs and family carriages on upper main street made it known that gaiety was the order of the night at the pike mansion but among other differences was this that at the hour when the guests of the latter were leaving those seeking the hospitalities of beaver beach had just begun to arrive by three o'clock however joy at mike's place had become beyond question unconfined and the tokens of it were audible for a long distance in all directions if however there is no sound where no ear hears silence rested upon the countryside until an hour later then a lonely figure came shivering from the direction of the town not by the road but slinking through the snow upon the frozen river it came slowly as though very tired and cautiously too often turning its head to look behind finally it reached the pier and stopped as if to listen within the house above a piano of evil life was being beaten to death for its sins and clamoring its last cries horribly the old shed rattled in every part with the thud of many heavy feet and trembled with the shock of noise an incessant roar of men's voices punctuated with women's screams then the riot quieted somewhat there was a clapping of hands and a violin began to squeak measures intended to be oriental the next moment the listener scrambled up one of the rotting piles and stood upon the veranda 
a shaft of red light through a broken shutter struck across the figure above the shoulders revealing a bloody handkerchief clumsily knotted about the head and beneath it the face of joe loudon he went to the broken shutter and looked in around the blackened walls of the room stood a blurred mob applausively watching through a fog of smoke the contortions of an old woman in a red calico wrapper who was dancing in the center of the floor the fiddler a rubicund person evidently not suffering from any great depression of spirit through the circumstance of being out on bail as he was to joe's intimate knowledge set astride a barrel resting his instrument upon the foamy tap thereof and playing somewhat after the manner of a cellist in no wise incommoded by the fact that a tall man known to a few friends as an expert in the porch climbing line was sleeping on his shoulder while another gentleman who had prevented many cases of typhoid by removing old plumbing from houses lay on the floor at the musician's feet and endeavored to assist him by plucking the strings of the fiddle joe opened the door and went in all the merry company who were able turned sharply toward the door as it opened then recognizing the newcomer turned again to watch the old woman one or two nearest the door asked the boy without great curiosity what had happened to his head he merely shook it faintly in reply and crossed the room to an open hallway beyond at the end of this he came to a flousy bedroom the door of which stood ajar seated at a deal table and working by a dim lamp with a broken chimney a close-cropped red-bearded red-haired man in his shirt-sleeves was jabbing gloomily at a column of figures scrawled in a dirty ledger he looked up as joe appeared in the doorway and his eyes showed a slight surprise i never thought you had the temper to get somebody to split your head said he where'd you collect it nowhere joe answered dropping weakly on the bed it doesn't amount to anything well i'll just take a look for it myself said the red-bearded man rising and i've no objection to not knowing how you come by it you've always been the great one for keeping your mysteries to yourself he unwound the handkerchief and removed it from joe's head gently Whee! he cried as a long gash was exposed over the forehead i hope he left a mark somewhere to pay a little on the score of this joe chuckled and dropped dizzily back upon the pillow there was another who got something like it he gasped feebly and oh mike i wish you could have heard him going on perhaps you did it was only three miles from here nothing i'd like better said the other bringing a basin of clear water from a stand in the corner it's a beautiful thing to hear a man holler when he gets a grand one like you're wearing tonight he bathed the wound gently and hurrying from the room returned immediately with a small jug of vinegar wetting a rag with this tender fluid he applied it to joe's head speaking soothingly the while nothing in the world like a bit of good cider vinegar to keep off the festering it may seem a trifle scratchy for the moment but it assassinates the blood poison there you go it's the fine thing for you joe what are you squirming about i'm only enjoying it the boy answered writhing as the vinegar worked into the gash don't you mind my laughing to myself you're a good one joe 
said the other, continuing his ministration. I wished, after all, you felt like making me known to what's the trouble. There's some of us would be glad to take it up for you, and no, no, it's all right. I was somewhere I had no business to be, and I got caught. Who caught you? First, some nice white people. Joe smiled, his distorted smile. And then a low-down black man helped me to get away, as soon as he saw who it was. He's a friend of mine, and he fell down and tripped up the pursuit. I always knew you'd get into large trouble some day. The red-bearded man tore a strip from an old towel and began to bandage the boy's head with an accustomed hand. Your taste for excitement has been growing on you every minute of the four years I've known you. Excitement, echoed Joe, painfully blinking at his friend. You think I'm hunting excitement? Be hanged to you, said the red-bearded man. Can't I say a teasing word without getting called to order for it? I know you, my boy, as well as you know yourself. You're a queer one. You're one of the few that must know all sides of the world and can't content themselves with being respectable. You haven't sunk to low life because you're low yourself, but you'll never get a damned one of the respectable to believe it. There's a few others like you in the wide world, and I've seen one or two of them. I've been all over, steeplechasing, sailor man, soldier, peddler, and in the police. I've pulled the Grand National in Paris, and I've been handcuffed in Hong Kong. I've seen all the few kinds of women there is on earth and the many kinds of men. Your own kind is the one I've seen the fewest of. But I knew ye belonged to it the first time I laid eyes on ye. He paused, then continued with conviction. Ye'll come to no good either for yourself, yet no one can say ye haven't the talents. Ye've helped many a boy out of a bad hole with a word of advice around the courts and the jail. Who knows but ye'd be a great lawyer if ye kept on. Young people usually like to discuss themselves under any conditions, hence the rewards of psalmistry. But Joe's comment on this harangue was not so responsive as might have been expected. I've got seven dollars, he said, and I'll leave the clothes I've got on. Can you fix me up with something different? Aha, cried the red-bearded man. Then you are in trouble. I thought it'd come to you some day. Have you been denny-mitten Martin Pike? See what you can do, said Joe. I want to wait here until daybreak. Lie down, then, interrupted the other, and forget the hullabaloo in the throne room beyond. I can easily do that. Joe stretched himself upon the bed. I've got so many other things to remember. I'll have the things for you, and I'll let you know I have no use for seven dollars, returned the red-bearded man crossly. What are you sniffing for? I'm thinking of the poor fellow that got the mate to this, said Joe, touching the bandage. I can't help crying when I think they may have used vinegar on his head, too. Get to sleep if you can, exclaimed the Samaritan, as a hideous burst of noise came from the dance room, where someone seemed to be breaking a chair upon an acquaintance. I'll go out and regulate the boys a bit. He turned down the lamp, fumbled in his hip pocket, and went to the door. Don't forget, Joe called after him. Go to sleep, said the red-bearded man, his hand on the doorknob. That is, go to thinking, for you won't sleep. You're not the kind. 
but think easy i'll have the things for you it's a matter of pride with me that i always knew you'd come to trouble End of chapter five